you are Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. When the Jags come with you, Falcons, what you gonna do? Browns, what you gonna do? Carolina, what you gonna do? Them Jags coming for you. Yeah, them Jags, here they come. You better run for us, run. Because they're coming to your town. Big Cersei about to break you out. Welcome back to Locked On Jaguars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Chris Thornton. I bring on my co-host, Zach Goodall, and we have a very special guest. You might know him from Twitter or the television, Brent Martineau. How are you doing, Brent? What's happening, guys? Uh, happy offseason. A little different than the last, uh, oh, I don't know, decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Uh... It's weird getting into it almost three months later. I feel like I had a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody does. You know, first of all, you're kind of like worn out from it. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's NFL combine time, you know, 10 days away. So um, I, I think you kind of catch your breath, but everything flips over pretty fast. The interesting thing is, you know, the Jags off season is fun still. It just changes. every Everything's different. Mm-hmm. You know, everything. The, the from the way you talk about the draft, from the way you talk about free agency, the amount of money they have, how much of a player they'll be in splash guys, uh, where they'll go, uh, or do they just have to plug a few spots? I just caution everybody in in one little area: don't think the Jags are one player away. Because the last time this franchise thought they were one player away, they went on a nine-year tumble. Uh, they thought they were one player away in 2007. And they said, hey, if we get a pass rusher to, uh, so Tom Brady doesn't go 26 for 28 against us in a playoff game, well, bam, you trade up, you get Derek Harvey, and then the rest is history. It was just a disaster. <laughs> You're never one player away. So uh, I think this continues to be a, a roster construction um, for 2018 and really for beyond. They want to be good for a long time. This isn't just about mm-hmm. right now, although the window looks pretty open to win right now. And I think – that can kind of take us into we can kind of do it phase by phase with how this team will approach the offseason. But they've got a couple impending free agents in obviously the storyline being Allen Robinson recovering from his ACL tear. And then there's Aaron Colvin, uh, this nickel corner who could end up getting paid um, as an outside guy a lot more money than he'd make as just a nickel corner, which great for him. I think he's deserving of it i just don't know if jacksonville's the team that can pay him um whether it's patrick omame uh, at guard who's been serviceable in his year and a half uh lorente mccray a special teamer how do you think they'll approach um whether it be bringing back some guys or letting some guys walk who do you think will be here who do you think has a longer shot at making uh getting a new deal i i think you can go in a variety i think you hit on a bunch of guys uh, I, I think it's the most intriguing part become who's gone and Aaron Coleman does he walk and go try to chase outside cornerback money probably uh do you get rid of Chris Ivory well the writing was on the wall there that's that's I mean I'll, I'll make that a guarantee I mean he's not coming back uh Alan Hearns do you reconstruct his deal uh I think it's always a tricky part there it's not automatic you can't just pick up the phone and say hey Alan we, we'd love to keep you but uh we want to make your salaries from $7 million to you know $4 million a year. Uh, it's just not the way it works. You're not really allowed to do that. They would have to kind of cut him first, and then would he go test the market? Um, 
or does he understand the, the business and the production and some of the injuries of why the Jags are doing that? You just never know because you don't know the relationships, agent, player, organization. Of course, the agent's going to try to get the most money for a guy. But I think uh, anywhere from Parnell to, uh, I mean, Obama, it seems like it should be an upgradable position, although I, I still feel like he played pretty decent last year. Um, so I think, yeah, the, we're all in the right ballpark of who might be gone. And then how do you replace them? Well, I think you're not going to get that huge three-day uh, or three-person free agent splash where you, the Jags go out and spend $140 million. We all know they don't really have that in mind uh, after spending it the last few years. I mean, unless the quarterback is a topic uh, and becomes a um, – a big-time target for this football team. I think it's going to be maybe one splash guy and then a couple of uh, like B-level free agents where you can plug some holes in and maybe upgrade with some veteran guys that can help you win. Because one thing I noticed this year in the postseason, and in the Super Bowl especially, look at the Philadelphia Eagles and you look at their roster, and you have guys like LeGarrette Blount backing somebody up or being a part of a mix, not necessarily being the go-to guy all the time. You have Chris Long. He was a backup guy or at least a rotational guy. Those are veteran players that know how to win, can be plugged in, and maybe get you over the hump to get a Lombardi trophy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's where the biggest thing is, is finding veteran depth uh, for the good price, that is. Yeah, of course. And that's, yeah, where do they do it, right? Uh, I don't know. I think it's easier said than done. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, if you look at some of the positions, you're looking at running back. Can you bring a couple of guys in? How much do they have left? You're always, when you're talking about a veteran running back, uh, you're either getting a guy that's 25 or 26 years old that's probably going to command a big deal, or do you get a guy that's 27, 28 years old and you don't know how much is left in that guy's career at that position? And uh, I, I just think a receiver is a perfect position to kind of illustrate the market of free agency in terms of who makes you really feel great about bringing them in and you know Allen Robinson someone we think the Jags will franchise or uh, have just a, give a contract extension to but after that you have Jarvis Landry and then that's about it uh, mm-hmm. that's why I still think Marquise Lee is a possible play for the Jags I think they will I believe they'll make an offer of uh, to him of some kind I just believe they'll be outbid because if you look at the free agents available in wide receiver position somebody else is probably going to overpay from Marquise Lee and and when, when you look at just the free agency in totality, we know that's how it works. But I think this year, this isn't like last year. This isn't like you have home run guys like Calais and A.J. Boyer and uh, even a Barry Church. I think you have to find more of the Barry Church-like guys in this free agency period for the Jags to plug some holes. That's probably where they're going to end up. And that scenario that you brought up where you go after a guy that's 26 and you give him big bucks or you kind of go after the older guy, the immediate scenario that popped into my head was the tight end position and a guy like Trey Burton who's been gaining a lot of interest since the Super Bowl run and a guy that people might throw some money at because he is young and still has a lot of potential but also some proven skill. Or do you maybe take a flyer on a guy with less money and go, and he's often injured, which is the big red flag, but a guy like Tyler Eifert who, when healthy, can be a top 10 tight end or, like I said, you're in that dilemma. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. First of all, I think they, they should try to get someone in free agency and the draft. Um, but I think if you go with – and I also remember Michael Rivera, they still have 
uh, you know, if they feel good about it. And although that wasn't a splash move last year, keep in mind a lot of the moves they made last year were pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe they see something more than a lot of people other do could expect out of that position. I I get a little concerned at the tight end position because I I think uh, you need it and you you need weapons in that game, that part of the game. Uh, But I think rookie tight ends, if you look at the history of the game, uh, really the recent history, they don't make a huge impact early on in their career. So that lends to a, a more of a veteran tight end. Maybe it is a Draymond. Maybe it is an Eifert. They might have to take a chance on someone like that. And it also just depends how they want to run their offense. I mean, do they want a guy that can do a little bit of both? Do they want uh, just a move tight end? Uh, I would imagine a guy like Trey Burton really excites someone like Nathaniel Hackett because you can use him in a lot of different ways. Uh, so it is interesting. I can't imagine they get in a bidding war for a tight end out there. I just don't see it. Uh, you know, Jimmy Graham's available as well. But uh, it could be a position they try to pay a bit more of a premium to uh, just because they don't have it. And it's not an easy position to find around the league. You, everybody compares to Gronkowski, um, you know, Jimmy Graham in his prime potentially. Uh, Gates, of course, but it's those guys are hard to find, and, and that's why there's mm-hmm. not a ton of them all over the league, you know. Right, definitely. And whether they be spending money on a tight end or not, there's someone that, um, as of today, uh, a little bit of news shaking up the NFL about AJ McCarron now free, um, set up to hit free agency. People are talking about, you know, are the Jags going to go after Kirk? Are they looking to really upgrade the position uh, at quarterback in free agency, if not the draft? Do you think there's, like, (laughs) any shot at A.J. McCarron being that type of guy? And just kind of give me your thoughts on him in general, not just Jaguars related. Yeah, I really don't get the Jags' interest in A.J. McCarron. I I don't see that. Uh, You have to really be a, a Blake hater to think A.J. McCarron AJ McCarron's much of an upgrade, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, you really got to, or just be in love with A.J. McCarron, and, and I don't know what you're pinning that on if, if you are. Right. Um, I think he could be good good quarterback, but we don't know. There's, I mean, he could be Matt Flynn, or he could be, you know, just a great quarterback. It ends up having to sit out for those times, and they had made the investment to Andy Dalton. They almost went to him. They wanted to keep him. Somebody wanted to trade for him in the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I just have. I can't imagine a scenario where he ends up in Jacksonville. It doesn't make much sense to me, but I can see him. I think this is interesting now uh, because to me, he's the second best quarterback on the market. Kirk Cousins, of course, will demand the huge deal, but I think McCarron's going to get paid because, uh, you know, jet, the jets, Denver, uh, Arizona, probably all looking for that veteran free agent quarterback. I think he's a good fit in a place like Arizona where you have Larry Fitzgerald coming back. You have some veteran pieces. If you want to make one more run at this uh, next year or maybe even another year, it's probably not worth bringing in a young quarterback that's going to take time to groom. I think Cleveland's fascinating because they already wanted him and were willing willing to trade a pick for him. Um, And now you could go spend the money on him, which they have plenty of. And if you do that, you can sit Kaiser and kind of groom him because he wasn't ready to play. Or you could draft another quarterback in rounds two or three since they have so many picks. But on top of that, they could be primed to be in a position where I think they already have a couple of talented players. But with pick number one and four in the first round, you could really put some players around A.J. McCarron. So uh, fascinating when it comes to Cleveland and their interest in a guy like McCarron. 
but there are going to be, I would say, three to four teams, probably three teams in the mix for A.J. McCarron, and that all depends on probably where Kirk Cousins lands first. And uh, A.J. McCarron can thank his buddy Mike Glennon for this offseason because Glennon got paid <laughs> from the Bears for basically being a backup for the years before, and now McCarron will probably likely get a deal like that, 16 to $18 million a year for probably three or four years. But I think you you kind of hit it on the head there that these guys are suddenly like, you kind of look at it, there's another quarterback being added to the mix, and you could almost have three or four teams that a few months ago you knew were going to draft a quarterback. All of a sudden, uh, if a guy like McCarron goes to the Browns, they might not take a quarterback early. Uh, if Kirk Cousins goes to the Vikings, the or not even the Vikings, just maybe Denver. the Jets or the Broncos, yeah. then a, that leaves a guy like Case Keenum and – the interesting thing is if Cousins somehow lands in Minnesota, you're likely possibly getting rid of uh, Keenum, Bradford, and or Bridgewater. So you're just making the market more. It's Free agency, I think, is going to be very big uh, compared to last in determining this, probably the whole, whole first round. Yeah, this whole quarterback yeah, market really could shake like the entire draft up. It really could. I mean, you think – you think about the puzzle pieces here. Cousins is obviously a known commodity, but A.J. McCarron is not. Sam Bradford can't stay healthy. Case Keenum, uh, many people believe he's got a ceiling that he might have hit this past year. So you just have to say, okay, what are we willing to get for what we're going to pay? And it brings us all the way back to Blake Bortles. And uh, I think the fascinating thing about Bortles is twofold. One, $19 million, which everybody's gasps at, is probably like reasonable dollars. <laughs> for this position, mm-hmm. since you have control over his contract for a year and maybe two if you want to utilize the franchise tag. So, uh, and, and the other part of it is the way he played the last couple of months, especially when he played two years ago when he put a 35 touchdown. I, I think some people have to at least ask themselves where's the ceiling on Blake Bortles? If he grew from the disaster 2016 to what he was in 2017, with the lack of weapons around him, uh, you do have to at least sit there and say, all right, well, 25-year-old guy, affordable price this year and maybe even next year, uh, we might be able to do something. We might have the best situation of all. Um, again, depends how you feel about him. I'm not talking we like inside their building. How do they view it and look at it? Uh, it? It's just a fascinating situation over the next few weeks that's going to play out. And you have to remind everybody, if they're going to chase one of those kind of guys, they have to cut loose Blake Bortles first. That's the order of events, and uh, right. that's a very risky move, in my opinion. It definitely would be because there's obviously no guarantee in that tampering period. But you brought up um, what Blake Bortles' option would cost, and even I, for the longest time, viewed it as why are we giving him that $19 million? Um, at this point, you know, if they do it, I'm still on board with drafting a quarterback early, do something. But either of you guys have a guess at where his uh, yearly salary would rank if he, that option goes through and he's paid 19, just over $19 million next year among uh, uh, current quarterbacks? Current quarterbacks, I would say he would rank at 19 mil. This is before any other deals get done? Yep. Um, I think he would probably be number like nine on the list. Yeah, I think through all the 
uh, cap space pieces I've seen. I think he's like seventh, maybe seventh. Hey, you 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 got to guess again. <laughs> Both of you were off. Thirteenth. Seventeenth. Seventeenth. At nineteen. Uh, at nineteen, right in front of him really? is Ryan Tannehill at nineteen. 2005 uh no uh 250 19,250,000 wow that's uh below him being Sam Bradford at uh 17,500,000 just something I want I didn't I don't know if there's anything we can take away from it really other than maybe this whole option if he's here like if you're paying that like it's not that huge of a deal I guess and that's something that you yeah. couldn't have told me last off season. Last off season, I'd just been pissed. And, you're, and that's probably why <laughs> these guys are taking the shots because I mean, last off season we we're like that's a lot of money. But then they obviously took the option on Blake so they could play him this year and see how he did. And it it seems like it might be actually paying off for them. So it's almost like the people in the office know more than a lot of us on Twitter. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> here's the. Uh... Here's the other thing I, I say about that, and I, I've said this uh, last couple of weeks, and I know, I, I know this won't be a popular thing, and I don't even know if it's the right thing, but there's something in the back of my mind that says, all right, you've got a quarterback that you believe in more than anybody else because we know that's the case. I, I think more people believe in Blake Bortles around here, whether it's inside the organization or even now the fan base after the last couple of months than probably on the outside looking in. Now, who knows other GMs and scouts and and teams, but now you say, okay, nineteen million dollars. That's uh, I think what did you just say, seventeenth or so. It's halfway in the NFL. Uh, it's a manageable contract. Well, since he doesn't have much of a market, would you go to his people and Blake and say, hey, let's get a two or three year deal done at seventeen, eighteen million dollars, guarantee a certain amount of money. So now you're guaranteed to make. 30, 35 million over the life of this contract um, rather than just this 19. And you, you have no idea what will happen in 2019. Uh, so I, I think that is a, it, there's an outside chance something like that happens, depending on how much they believe in him, depending on how much the ceiling is for him uh, in their mind. And also, I just think it once again gives you a little bit of a roster cap flexibility for the next few years where you control his contract at a pretty decent rate, given the market of quarterbacks right now. And that doesn't mean you can't draft a guy. You can say, Hey Blake, you're our guy. You got to go prove it for the next few years. We might even draft, draft the guy in round three um, and start grooming the next one, just in case Blake doesn't work out. So I, I think there's a small chance that could happen. Uh, no inside info. But I've just got it in the back of my mind that I wouldn't be shocked if something like that happened with Bortles. Yeah, no, I mean, I would, I personally would be okay. After last year, I think Blake has definitely earned another solid shot, especially considering the fact that the reports were that he didn't, I guess, have full functional functionality in two of his fingers on his throwing hand. I don't know how true that report was, but and still able to put up relatively good numbers. So here's a guy coming off his best season maybe not statistically but from just an overall team standpoint he's getting back his number one receiver hopefully in Allen Robinson hopefully he's back in the building and honestly last season's probably got to be a huge confidence boost for Bortles who the last I think that was his biggest downfall just like Jason Myers was uh confidence just having having the constant booze and I think it was in his own head and I think 
if you can get Blake back on a two to three year deal, I think that would actually be huge for all parties. I think that would even instill more confidence both in him and probably the players around him. Well, yeah, and the players around him is a big part of this. I mean, I've been trumpeting this for a little, almost a year now. What he needed to do last August was win over the people in his locker room in the building, not really the people outside the building. He didn't care much about that. But when you don't have the, the confidence of the locker room, well, by November, uh, really October, he kind of had that. And I think he does have that. And I think a lot of the guys, if you talk to them, they want him to kind of be the quarterback going forward. I, now, again, I mean, listen, if Kirk Cousins came in, I don't think people would be like, ah, oh, we really want to play. You know, I mean, I think they'll ride with whoever they have. But it's just a different mindset with Blake. And my biggest curiosity is did he last year in that offseason, which was such a make-or-break year for him, but did he learn how to be a pro? Did he mature a bit to the point where uh, whatever it was, uh, taking ownership of the football team, taking ownership of his game, taking ownership of being out in California and getting better, being doing what's right for him to be the best he can be? Uh, if that's the way he now approaches every offseason, then I can't imagine the ceiling isn't higher for him because all we talked about was fundamentals and can't say the football uh, for, for an entire offseason and really the entire 2016. Well, I'm not sure how many times a person said fundamentals when it came to Blake Bortles uh, most of 2017. Uh, maybe that Bills game in the second quarter, people started talking about it again. But it wasn't that much of a topic, which he still has to probably work on it, but I bet he can even improve on it. And uh, it's the one thing people really don't like to mention, just where is the ceiling of Bortles? now that he might have found his stride uh, here this last season? And I, I think that's a great question. I'm, I'm trying to think of kind of quarterback comparisons of what his ceiling might be. I think, honestly, if they want to get that ceiling higher, granted you're going to want him to do it through his arm, but I think if this past season we kind of saw his legs get a little more integrated into the offense, which I think allowed him to kind of open up his own game. Because, I mean, we saw in the Bills game he – he, you can maybe say that he won us that game with his legs to eventually get in and throw that one-yard touchdown pass to Koyak. But I think just building the offense kind of more around that for Blake. Uh, granted, you're going to uh, gonna have your D.D. Westbrook hopefully all year, Allen Robinson hopefully back, maybe a rookie, another receiver, if Hearns doesn't come back and Lee doesn't come back. And I just – I. His ceiling, yeah, I think I agree. It's it's got to be higher than what people probably thought last or two off seasons ago, uh, because then you always had the garbage time stat argument and just those kind of compelling arguments around it. Well, I think it's just accuracy. It's, I, I think that's it. I, I asked a ton of people at Super Bowl and other places. But, All right, what what is it? Are they holding back the playbook? Are they doing this or that? And that's not it. It doesn't seem like that's it. Uh, in fact, there's some talk that they held back some of the playbook really because of the offensive line at times and also because of the lack of weapons on the outside. So uh, it's not Blake holding that back. Now, his accuracy, it's not as good as a lot of quarterbacks or at least elite quarterbacks or upper echelon quarterbacks. I think that's fair. It's hard to defend, um, but it no doubt got better this year too. So that's the point. Can it continue to get better? And with better weapons, could it even, uh, you know, he even be a better quarterback? Uh, so there's a lot to digest and discuss and then kind of believe in. There's going to be some blind faith in all of this, I think, when it comes to the Jags, if it is Blake Bortles. But you know what? If you throw $150 million at Kirk Cousins, a guy that's 0-2 in the playoffs and 
you know, he, he didn't have a ton of weapons either. There's blind faith in a $150 million contract too. So that's just the nature of the business and the sport. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Jags do. My guess is uh, they end up with Blake and stay with Blake. And part of that is because uh, it's just too darn risky to cut him and, and hope that you can win the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just, I was just acknowledging. <laughs> oh, well then, um, I mean, anyone else really left on the roster? I guess do we go over Aaron Colvin, Aaron Colvin. Um, I mean, my take on Colvin is that he's going to, I don't know exactly what his market's going to end up being. Cause we know he wants to get paid like an outside, or at least it, you'd figure he wants to get paid like an outside guy. The word has been in the past. He wants time outside and to play outside a bit but i'm not sure if that's like upper tier money which or he if did. that's like mid tier he, he, he did some outside this year a little bit but like his primary role obviously yeah. being nickel but so that makes it just it makes it seem like it's going to be one of those situations where you say well go get your money you've deserved it to me i don't know if that if you guys feel the same way but yeah, I think uh, that's the way if I was his agent, I'd probably be thinking about <laughs> how much money he could make. And I think he would get paid pretty good money as a nickel corner. I think the Jags would maybe invest. Um, I think he does so many things well. And also you keep the continuity on that defense. But it was, you gotta, what you have to do is two things. You say, okay, from, from the fan standpoint or from the organization standpoint, hey, maybe he'll – he wants to do that. Maybe he wants to win. Maybe he wants to stay with these guys. Maybe he wants to be part of what could be this year talked about as an historic defense if these guys continue to rise. That sounds good, but the bottom line is you have to take yourself inside the player's mind. And I can bet you Aaron Colvin thinks he's every bit as good as A.J. Boyer and Jalen Ramsey and some of the best corners in the league. He thinks at 25 years old that he's going to make the Hall of Fame someday if he goes inside the big deal and can play outside corner and make Pro Bowls and, and be a star. And that's just the way these guys think. That's what makes them great athletes. That's what makes them so good at their craft. Um, I know people would laugh at that right now, but uh, that's that's their mindset. And so I think if you, you kind of bounce the two off each other, it certainly lends to the fact that Colvin – would probably try to test the market, go make big bucks, and uh, see if he can be everything he kind of thinks he can be. And I think his market there, I think, would be strong because I think a lot of us forget that when Aaron Colvin was coming into the draft, before his ACL tear, he was almost a surefire top 20 pick uh, in the first round. And then obviously he tore that ACL and his value dropped and he we got him in the fourth round. So... Some people might think that he was drafted late as a nickel corner, whereas where actually he was just a guy that was gifted to him in the fourth round. And if you look at the secondary that he was drafted into, that was that was probably the worst area of defense in Jags history, in all honesty, just what was out there. And, I mean, you had guys like – I'm trying to remember their names. I'm not even going to try going into it. But Aaron Colvin was really the only – competent cornerback on that roster and that's how he managed to stay this long and eventually find a mold in between two all pro corners as a nickel but I think his market will be there and I think a team will be willing to pay maybe maybe a team like the 49ers who have loads of cap or maybe even if the Browns or somebody wanted to take a run at him but I, th I think his market is there and 
due to that, I don't think he'd be coming back. Yeah, and I don't know what the market for corners is this year because we don't really have to think about it here. <laughs> so right. I haven't even really looked at, at who else is out there. I haven't heard a lot of the scuttlebutt on, on what corners are available in free agency. But I would think, uh, you know, I think he named a good place, San Francisco, Panamani. Um, you know, obviously uh, Robert Sala uh, was the linebackers coach here, so brought these now the defensive coordinators out there under Shanahan and San Fran, so he knows Colvin. Uh, I think that's what you look at. You look at guys like that. Where's that connection uh, to teams that could build their defense pretty quickly? And, I, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of look at these guys when they go outside. I feel I've got Devon House stuck in my mind. And you know what? Mm-hmm. House had some moments. He wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then kind of got in the doghouse and didn't play as well. And he had these young guys coming in, a guy like Ramsey. Um, so I don't – but I kind of feel like – that could happen to Colvin too. Um, but you know what? By that time, he got paid a lot of money and they gave it a whirl. And he probably will always have a place, even if that didn't work out as a nickel uh, in somebody's defense. So it'll be interesting to follow Colvin if he does leave and see how good he, he really is um, and can be on the outside. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would say going off the top of my mind, Colvin's probably – Think he's probably top five corners that are going to be hitting free agency if he ends up does hitting the market. So, well, like I said, we'll see if people want to pay him as a nickel or if they want to take a chance and pay him as an outside guy. And I think, uh, I mean, just kind of speculating, I think we can say that what Chad Henney's probably done here in Jacksonville. Do you think there's really any remote chance that he somehow gets another extension and stays with the Jaguars? Yeah, I don't uh, think so. I, 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 yeah, I don't think so. Um, but here's why I'm kind of hesitating a little bit. Uh, one, I don't think so because yes, his contract. Uh, uh, he probably he's another guy. He probably gets. He thought he had a chance here this past year in training camp, and that didn't work out. And he actually had a good camp by by a lot of people's accounts, um, depending on whose eyes are watching and who's talking. Um, so he probably still feels like he can give this thing a go as a starter somewhere or could at least end up in a situation where he could compete. So my guess is he'll even want to go. But, boy, it's tough not to just think about the Nick Foles situation. You know, a place where Foles was comfortable and Foles had to come in and take over for an injured Wentz and lead the team, I still have maintained, and I get laughed at a lot for this, but I've always thought, I think Chad Henney could be a guy that if he had to go fill in for a month, I think he can go two and two on a team and three and one on a team. I mean, I, I think he can do that. Now, would I trust him with my offense for an entire year and want to build around him? I don't think so. But, um, you know, and he probably feels that way. He's only like, what, 29 years old, 30 years old. So he's kind of in that mold where if he gets in the right spot and he had a chance, he might be able to do well if he's got a good team around him, much like Foles and Philly this year. Uh, I'm not telling you that Chad Henney's going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback someday, but <laughs> it, is, it crosses my mind, especially with what's happening with the Foles thing, that he could uh, still have some of his best days ahead of him, even though he was never able to win the starting job. The flip side of that is, I think it's fascinating if you would they explore the idea of bringing a guy like Teddy Bridgewater in, uh, depending on the money. The risk is big, but if you're bringing Blake back, uh, that's some serious competition. Uh, also, if it's a disaster with Blake, 
people or, or you could feel good about a guy like Bridgewater. Um, it just depends what the risk and reward is for me there, but it's a fascinating uh, situation where Bridgewater will end up if he doesn't stay in Minnesota. And then I think what's happening, I pretty much will guarantee they take a quarterback in this draft. I just don't know where. I've got a plug as a fourth-round quarterback is what I think they're going to do. So even if Henny were to come back, I don't think it's a guarantee he would, he would be here in September because I think that fourth-round quarterback and Blake could be the two guys as you enter the season. So a bunch of different options at the QB spot, some intriguing ones um, for the Jags when it comes to the draft and maybe even a guy like Bridgewater. My only fear with Bridgewater, if it's Blake and Teddy as the only two guys in that quarterback room, is that it seems like the entire position becomes a question mark for a lot of money. And that's where your point about him on the money becomes obviously a concern. Now, Blake's contract in a vacuum looking at it where, like I pointed out before, being the 17th, like that's a lot better than I gave him credit for. But if we still don't completely know what he is yet, even though he is coming off a much more improved year as we haven't seen it as a consistent factor, I don't know if I'd have him at his contract plus what Teddy could possibly ask for at his contract when he's thrown, I don't know how many throws in a game. Like, did he only have that one that was an interception? I think at this point this year, I'm not sure. If he were cheap, sure, because I knew I liked him when he came out. And I think a lot of Jaguars fans actually liked him when he came out. So it'd be it'll be interesting to see what happens with Teddy alone. And I really hope that everything works out for him well and that he's recovered 100 percent. Yeah, he'll be an interesting watch in this whole free agent deal, no doubt, Mm -hmm. because it's got to be a risk reward contract. Somebody's got to craft that contract with him to be like, all right, if this thing doesn't go well, we can't be on the hook for a ton of money. Exactly. Uh, But I agree with you. I mean, you know, somebody again, some people are looking for quarterbacks. uh, there's a good handful of teams that would like guys with experience. and Maybe Bridgewater on a flyer goes to New York or, again, a mm-hmm. team that has a ton of money, could take a chance, but builds a contract the way that's also favorable, and they still draft the quarterback again. So uh, I, that's what we always got to remember, I think, in, right. in all these discussions is this isn't just the Jags and everybody else that's available. It's 31 <laughs> other teams with situations. And, and really what I think the Jags, the situation has changed, guys, because the Jags are no longer front and center in the driver's seat when it comes to this part of the offseason. They mm-hmm. don't have the most money. They don't have the most ammunition uh, in March. Uh, now, do they still have ways to do it? Absolutely. But they are not in the position San Francisco, Cleveland, New York uh, is in when it comes to dollars. And even the team in their own division, by the way, a team like Indianapolis. Indianapolis has a ton of money. They're way under mm-hmm. the cap. So, uh I think uh, I think we always have to remember that part of it. The Jags want to go get them. It kind of has been that way the last few years. Right. Money <laughs> they've thrown at people, but uh, I don't think it's going to be that way anymore. And I so oh, go ahead. Uh, I've just got one kind of final thing. Let's assume that Blake is the is the guy, and they don't go after a free agent this off season at quarterback. Um, Kind of looking at it in a vacuum, what would and it? I don't know if you've done a lot in terms of watching any prospects film or anything, but more positional wise, what would be the ideal first round pick to you? Say the Jaguars are at twenty nine and Blake is the quarterback. Well, I think if Blake's quarterback and they're at twenty nine still, uh, Allen Robinson is franchised or extended. I think we have to assume that right uh, that the, the Jags are bringing him back. Uh, you have Fournette in the backfield, so you have a hole as a number two running back. 
which you'll fill at some point, whether it's moderate free agency or uh, or a mid-round of the draft or, or whatever you think. Uh, so then the question becomes this. It, it, they're picking one of four positions. They're picking quarterback, which I think there's about a 10 to 15% chance they do that at 29. It's probably even more like 10 or maybe less for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they have offensive line in some capacity. I think there could be as many as two new offensive linemen for the Jag, Jags uh, this year. Uh, tight end and wide receiver. I think from the, the the more and more I talk about this, the more and more I think about it, I believe they need a tight end. But I don't believe that tight end can be very impactful for you in year one. And I right. want an impactful guy at 29. So I'm probably leaning toward wide receiver or some part of the offensive line because the offensive line class is really good this year. It really uh, is. A lot of these mock drafts where you've got seven offensive linemen going in the first round. I mean, that's crazy. That's really good, especially guards and centers. They don't usually go that high, but there's a lot of good offensive linemen. So if this is a a strong class for offensive line, I think the Jags should try to strengthen that interior. Um, So I would probably put the odds at like 25% they go get a number two wide receiver, and that's if a guy like Kirk drops to them. 25% they go get an offensive lineman. Um, i got to be careful with my math here. It's actually probably more (laughs) like 35 and 35 and then I think tight end is the next on the odds list for me, and then smaller on the odds list is uh, is going to be the QB. So those are the four spots. I agree. I agree. And I, I think which one do you, which one do you want them to get out of the three? Which I would probably say I'd love to see a guy just because it's more sexy to get see a guy like Kirk or someone like that fall to them, and then you could put him as a number two wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Christian that's Kirk. What I would say. Say it again. Is that uh, Christian Kirk, the, uh, I think, Texas Christian A&M Kirk, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, Someone like that. I saw him mocked to the Jags the other day. I can't remember who by. But, yeah, um, him, he's been a pretty solid mock uh, kind of option for outside. I, I am very much a Will Hernandez fan, the guard out of UTEP, the 6'2", 340 guy. For a 340, 340-pound guy, that dude can move, and he is powerful. He, I feel like he... If you put him in between Cam Robinson and Brandon Linder, I don't think you have any struggles for the next several years going to that left side <laughs> at all. First of all, I love your analysis, but you're spending way too much of the film or time in the film room if you get that excited over a guard. <laughs> I normally am, I normally don't dive into the offensive line work, but Chris was at Chris was at the Senior Bowl, and he was the guy that everyone was watching because everyone was shocked at how well a guy at his size was moving. But he he's a fun guard, <laughs> and I I honestly don't think Hernandez makes it to twenty nine at this point. I don't think he gets past a team like Seattle that has just like zero. O-line, a, a guy that I've kind of fallen in love with is Braden Smith, right guard from Auburn, but I think he's more of a second-round pick. But I think the thing about this year's draft that obviously has been different from a lot of others and that we're not picking in the top five is they might not go for a splashy pick because there might not be really a whole lot of splashy players left. Uh, a lot of people are saying good teams make boring picks in the drafts, and then I also stated this earlier in the week, is just the Jags aren't really looking for building blocks anymore per se they're they're looking for the finishing pieces on the roster and i think that's kind of reassuring i mean from kind of a hype standpoint on draft night it's kind of boring but it's good to know that you're not having to draft somebody top five again 
to maybe compete. You're looking for the guy that will help you continue to pe- compete and kind of complete your puzzle. Yeah, I think that's that's the cool part of it, right? That's what's changing. And I will say this. I think it's organization in the last uh, few years, after Dave Caldwell and now as well, uh, they've done a pretty good job of identifying the offensive linemen and getting pretty good value for them. I mean, you look at Cam Robinson getting in the early second round, looking at Brandon Lender trading up to get him in the third round. And, uh, and you know, I, I don't know how people feel about A.J. Can, but I think they've at least gotten some play out of him and some good play out of him and better than, than probably some people want to give him credit for at times. Uh, so they've done all right uh, in the early rounds of the draft with the offensive linemen. I think they have an eye for it, and uh, I would trust them if they took a guard or or a tackle of some kind in the in the draft late and say, "Yeah, this must be a good finishing piece to make that line a lot better." Mm-hmm. And then uh, just kind of diving into a kind of different realm. Earlier this week, the Jags announced that the tarps are off, concessions are lower, and that ticket prices are actually up, but at the same time announced that compared to last year, they had around 700 season ticket deposits where now as of, I guess, Tuesday, they had 5,000. So the, the hype, I guess, is growing again in Jacksonville and just kind of wanted to get your take on that. Well, I think it's the best thing that's happened in uh, my decade that I've been here now. I think that's you know, the, the run that they just went on. Uh, you know, we saw it from TV ratings to, just a buzz in the city and, and, uh, you know, you guys came out to the show at, at Noah Mushroom. It's, it's, it's really, that's what it's all about. I and mean, that's what it should be. That's what sports is, um, community wise. And especially in a place like Jacksonville, it, it's kind of a big place, but almost feels small town a, a bunch and, and rallies around the one pro pro team, um, in the major sports. And I, I just think that's, that's the coolest part for me. Um, and I think we're starting to see it. I think they're starting to see the benefits of it. I have no problem with the ticket prices going up. I think it's cool the tarps are coming off because it ends that storyline nationally, even though uh, those national folks can be as uneducated as, you know, you name it sometimes Shots. when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, they get very lazy when it comes to that, I think. And, and I think it will at least put to rest some of those storylines. And now you're just talking, hey, is this a good football team? Can they, Are they the – the team to beat, uh, they one of the teams to contend, uh, and and then you fill up that stadium. I mean, the stadium is going to be more fill, filled up for these games this next year um, in totality than we've seen in, I guess you could say, since 2007, but it may even go back earlier than that. Uh, to relive Buffalo, relive Seattle, Houston to a degree, and now get some of those games in primetime, um, I think it's awesome. Now, I think people... The people that didn't go to Buffalo game, especially, were like, man, I wish I had gone to that game. Or, man, I wish I had season tickets so I could have got a ticket because they were really hard to get. And I think that's how it works. You win and the people come. And uh, I think guys like Mark Lampin, who have done a fantastic job over the handful of years without a winning product, now gets to reap some of the benefits of that. And listen, organizationally, people are complaining about the 10% upgrade uh, or uh, increase in tickets. It's, that's business. I mean, that mm-hmm. happens. We're in a pretty good economy right now. Their tickets have been as low as anybody's in, in professional sports. Um, and uh, they needed to find a time where they could raise them. The team obviously finally performed. And now you've got a fantastic schedule. And some of those games will probably be in prime time at home. So uh, perfect timing for everything. This is it. This mm-hmm. Everything is working out perfectly. 
The next thing they need to do is hurry up and build. Build the shipyards, build the J-lot, build whatever you're going to build. So now we downtown can get the benefits of what seems to be a very good time to be alive if you're a Jaguars fan. Yeah, definitely. With the, with the Someone, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Someone told me the other day uh, they would consider it fair for one win equals one percent um, increase in the cost of a season ticket. That actually ended up being just about on the dot at a ten point nine percent increase with ten wins. So, and I think that's exactly how it needs to be looked at. Like this is winning football. Um, the Jaguars last year, even when they were at one point six and three, or it might have even been when they got to seven and three. They still had the cheapest average ticket price in the entire NFL. They were considered to be the best steal. So, I mean, that's, this is this is winning football for you. Uh, just to, guys, to give you a little bit of a, an idea out of the Super Bowl, and, and we knew, I, I don't know how close you follow this, but obviously the Buffalo ticket was very hard to get. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that Buffalo fans were interested too, so it drove the price up. Pittsburgh ticket was actually easy to get. It was in Pittsburgh, and it was not hard, and it was pretty cheap. Uh, shame on the Pittsburgh fans for that. The New England ticket was very pricey. And, you know, they got 15 years of winning and they got Tom Brady and best all time. They have probably a waiting list for tickets, but that ticket was expensive. Uh, the folks out in Minneapolis said the ticket for the Super Bowl between the Patriots and Eagles was just an okay price point. Uh, they said if the Jags would have been out there, it would have overperformed the Patriots. Some of that being the newness, of course. Um, but if a Jags Eagles Super Bowl would have raised the ticket prices. I mean, just think about that for a moment, where this organization has been. The fact that a Jags Jags playing in a football game would have been a pricier ticket than the Patriots playing in a football game. And and I understand the circumstances, but it just shows you how far they've come and uh maybe just how good of a ticket this could be uh in two thousand and eighteen for the Jags. But hey, they're moving to London by twenty twenty one, right? something like that but i think uh i think that'll just about do it for us here at locked on jaguars unless anybody else has some closing mentions uh they would like to air i think that pretty much wrapped it up brent thanks so much for coming on you got it guys anytime and uh good luck with it we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys soon